Welcome to Breaking the Couch, a weekly conversation demystifying what happens in and behind the therapy scene to support your healing journey. We're your hosts. I'm Dr. Doughton, a licensed clinical professional counselor, a certified school psychologist, and a trauma specialist with Playfully Psyched. And I'm Dr. Joharchi with Soft Heart Psychology, a licensed clinical psychologist. We're here aiming to provide you with mental health tools to address the cycle of generational trauma across the age span from infancy and childhood to adulthood. For more information, visit our Instagram page at Breaking the Couch or our website, breakingthecouch.com. While we hope you love listening to and learning from our podcast, it's not a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, Dr. Doughton. Hey. (laughs) So this week, it's kind of an interesting topic around self-sabotage and how that shows up in love. And I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about how folks will come to us around, hey, I'm really into this person, or I'm really excited about talking with this person. And how do I stop blocking myself from that? So Mm. um, the other day, I was talking with a patient about the love that they feel, and then how they know that that's uh, a big, joyful feeling in their body and they can they can kind of pinpoint it and at the same time how that same experience is sort of muted or like lessened because they feel like there's these blocks or these things that they do to sort of get around the love or sort of um, go to the side of it. So I just thought we could talk about that for a little bit because I hear that. I, I hear that um, and I want folks to be able to access all their feelings like you and I have talked about so many times, right? So mm-hmm. we we talk about last episode a little bit about, well, a lot of the last episodes about <laughs> crying and feeling sadness, feeling anger, feeling everything to its full extent. And so what about feeling love without those blocks or with just observing those blocks? So I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um I think that's a hard one. I think it's definitely a great topic to talk about, talk about, but I think it's a hard one for people when we're asking them to like pinpoint what it feels like when they are having loving feelings, right? Or when they're feeling loved or um, when they're in love. I think most people don't know. And it does go back to a topic, you know, a topic we've covered already in our episodes, but I don't think people check in as much as we think they check in, right? Because we're we're skewed in the sense that we work with people to check in, right? But what I'm learning more and more and more is that um, when I first ask people to check in with themselves or like, how are you actually feeling? Give me a feeling word. Give me an emotion. They're kind of like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, I get that. Yeah. yeah, I get like, that. It's like, wait. What do you mean? What am I feeling? I don't know. Or just mm-hmm. good, fine, whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think this is a this is great topic because it is kind of so nuanced and newer for people for a lot of people. I think to be able to do that, you know. Yeah, and that's that's it is kind of like um, complicated because first of all, how do you know you're feeling this way? And then just observing those old behaviors or whatever is like blocking. 
um, to be able to feel it without doing something to get away from it. And we could look at it really in depth. We could call that like, you know, um, fears of abandonment, stuff that people picked up from society, societal messages, familial messages, different ways that things have have kind of shaped folks to say, oh, you know what, this is a really big feeling in my body, or this is scary that I could lose this. I feel some kind of positive feeling. I might not label it as love yet, but I feel something positive, some sort of oxytocin being released or some sort of connection there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am scared. I'm so scared. Or I am, you know, going to protect myself before you do something, right? So there's all these different things. And I don't think we have to look at that in a blameful way. I think it's actually a beautiful thing to look at whatever patterns are coming up because those are hints. And then I also love to explore with people, well, what was it like growing up seeing people around you experience X, Y, or Z feeling? So let's say it's like joy or love. What was that like? And then folks can kind of explore. And then we get an idea as to what's up with their patterns now, usually. Yeah. So actually, you know, so many thoughts that came up while we were talking, but one of the activities that I've done with patients before is using the circle security parenting module. Um, And there's a being with module for that. It's an activity where you, we've talked about this. You, um, we read the book together, manual together, but for our listeners, it's basically where you kind of create this circle, right? And inside the circle are going to be the feelings and emotions that your parents were able to be with you, meaning they were able to hold that emotion for you. Um, You were allowed to express that emotion. Um, And then outside the circle are going to be any of the feelings and emotions that your parents weren't able to be with you for. And we kind of go over the six core emotions, which I'm not going to go over those in details here. We go over at least six core emotions and we have the patient put them um, wherever it fits in their circle or outside their circle, half in, partially out, all those things. And then we kind of go over each emotion, right? And talk about, like, give me a specific memory or a specific time, mm-hmm. what came up for you when you were writing that emotion. Like, so give me that example. So we can explore, oh, well, you know, you know, curiosity was not nurtured in your home right? It was punished in some way. Your parents weren't able to be, you know, curious with you or this like joy, right? Maybe joy was stifled in those ways. And so I think that that's really important what you just said, kind of going back to that felt sense. One of the, one of the earliest moments or the first time you remember feeling love, right? And like you felt, I'm sure you felt love before you remember it, but what is that one of that core memory or that one of those first memories, because that's likely what's driving um, your ability to feel and the things around it now in your present, right? And so if, if love or joy was stifled for you and or accompanied by some other negative emotion or ne- negative experience, then yeah, it could be really scary to allow that in. Because maybe you've created the association that love hurts. That's where we get that. Love does not hurt. Love is, oh my gosh, love is amazing. So if it hurts and that's your actual association, you know, we got to rewrite that 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 pattern for you. Because that's, that's not okay. We don't want love to hurt. 
Yeah. Yeah. I did not know you do. You bring in circle of security into your sessions around sort of like, what are the blocks? What were those emotions? I love hearing about that. I might see if I can learn more <laughs> after this. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, that's a really good idea. So yeah, I'm also thinking about uh, how you integrate attachment theory into your work with them. I of see course. You of course. Like, <laughs> come on. Mm -hmm. You know, how else, how else do I, again, even when I'm working with adults, right? Um, because I believe that a lot of our adult problems stem from our unmet needs as a child, right? Um, stem from those early attachment relationships. And not that, and you can have a secure attachment relationship with a parent or a caregiver and still have had unmet needs, right? And so part, and my belief is that part of therapy is building that attachment between therapist and patient, right? I become an attachment figure in their lives and we have a therapy relationship. We have an alliance that is about supporting their growth and their changing um, development. Right? And so we have to, you know, nurture their inner child. We have to make sure that their inner child is given what they need. And I'm not giving all of that. Most of that is coming from the patient themselves, right? And I'm just there as a guide just there to help support that process. I, I just love that. And that's something that I try to do is um, once they're able to sort of observe that they're a part of them is about to sort of um, block, push away, protect from that big joyful feeling in their, their heart space or wherever they feel it, you know, mm -hmm. in their face, wherever, when they're, about to do that and they start to be able to like observe like oh you know what I'm about to send that text that's really going to push this person away or I'm about to do this thing that they said hurts them not because I'm mean not because I want to hurt them but because I want to be sure to like do those protections for myself mm -hmm. when they start to observe that I think we're in a really good place because once they can like note it and observe and be like okay that's about to come up for me then I say, is there a way we can create some accountability? So attachment between you and I, yeah, like you said, it's the number one curative factor uh, in therapy. Mm -hmm. And is there a way that you could reach out to a friend when you're about to do that? Mm -hmm. um, and so it's almost like a way where you're not going to pick someone to be your accountability buddy if they're going to be like, you know, um, shame you. Like, why would you do that? Crazy. This person is like just there for you. We're not going to do that. But if you can find a, a, um, a safe buddy system, a friend that mm -hmm. is going to meet your, your, your childhood wounds with love mm -hmm. and just kind of be like, oh, okay, like you want me to hear you on that or whatever you ask from them. Um, if you're able to to find someone like that, then I think that that can also be really helpful in between sessions mm -hmm. so that, okay, now you're at the place where you're observing. And now when you're about to send that text or you're about to do that thing, here's what you could do too. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden that fence will come down or that protective behavior will stop, but it is a great way to kind of, um, I guess lessen the self-sabotage or kind of like mm -hmm. have it be out here a little bit and not necessarily a part of you 
Mm -hmm. Take some distance from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. One of the things that made me think about is the population that I work with. Um, we, as a lot of people that I work with are black, right? Um, I work with a lot of people of color, but a, a large population are black people. And a large population of that are black women or people who identify as women. And something in black women, we, there's so many layers to it, right? But we have this need to be independent. Um, and it's not a need, not always a need that has been born like innately, right? It is a re sometimes a reaction to societal's expect society's expectations, to society's treatment of us, you know, the racist and the misogynoir um, approach to dealing with black women um, puts us in a position where we aren't safe, we can't rely on a lot of people, right? And therefore we don't know how to because most environments, you know, dismiss us, mistreat us, abuse us. Um, and we have to, we are expected to, we don't have to, we are expected to behave in ways that are not innately appropriate to any human, right? Um, we're expected to have more decorum and to, you know, withstand abuse basically, right? We're expected to mm -hmm. withstand abuse with a smile on our faces. So when I mean, we can talk about that go into really deep detail about that in another, in another mm -hmm. episode. But for here, it makes me think about because of some of the things that we've experienced as a community, um, it's not so much of sabotaging our love in, and I'm thinking about this from a friendship, um, family, even parent-child relationships and not romantic because that's just not the, the work, the area of work that I'm in, but sabotaging your, you know, friendship, love, it's more about not letting people in or not letting people show up for you, right? Because then that kind of tells me, oh, I'm weak. I don't want people to think I'm weak. So people come to me for everything, right? But then I start to feel resentful. People are coming to me for everything because then they're like, no one's checking on me. No one's asking me if I'm okay. That's, that's what happens in these communities, right? And it's that question of, well, do they know what you're struggling with? Well, no, I don't. Well, okay. Have you have you asked if you can take the wheel and talk a little bit about what's going on in your life a bit? Um, have you shifted the narrative at all or tried to shift the narrative at all to let people know that you have vulnerabilities, you have needs too, and that the relationship has been too much about you caring for them and you not feeling as cared for. And that tends to be such a hard thing for people to one, realize, to come to the realization because we frame things like, and this we is more broadly, right? But we frame things as, well, if I do it, then other people should do it, right? Like I do it this way. So people should just know the whole mind reading thing, right? Like I think I all mean, of that makes have, sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Except you can't like, there's no such thing as common sense. Mm. It's not real. There's no I real think common it knowledge. People would say, well, if I'm showing up for, for everybody, then mm -hmm. why aren't you showing up for me? Mm -hmm. Do you because not care about me? Yeah. Cause I don't know 
how to show up for you. I don't know what that means to you. I don't know what that looks like. When I was a kid, right, and I was, you know, I'm a rule follower and I believed all the little things that, you know, my mom told me, my parents told me, um, and one of them was the golden rule, right? This nonsensical golden rule of do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? That is total BS, okay? <laughs> do not do unto others as you would have them do unto you because they are not mm -hmm. you. How self-centered mm -hmm. is that? How, mm -hmm. you know, globally focused only on yourself is that when it really should be do unto others as they need, as they've asked you to, right? So don't just do for me what you want done, right? I don't need you to do for me what you want. I don't need that. I need it to look like this, or I need these things, right? And so part of it, and I think that we, even without knowing that they're following that golden rule, so many people follow that golden rule. And then because it's not spoken, they're not saying it. They never say to anyone, well, I'm doing this, so you should do this. Usually it's this, you know, unwritten communication that they've decided that's the rule we need to we need to change that completely throw it out the window get rid of it you know i'm always throwing something away throw it away <laughs> mm -hmm. you know so yeah i think it's just people need to hear that a little bit take a step back and really think about what i need right like what do you need and what would it look like to have those needs met? Right. So being as specific as possible. Um, what are you thinking over there? I'm thinking of how empowering this sounds. I'm appreciating that you're sharing it. And I'm also thinking about uh, the concept you and I have talked about on here, inviting in. Mm -hmm. Uh, from Invisible Man, Got the Whole World Watching. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking of what can folks do to invite in so that it's not always on a Black woman to have to say, here's how I would like to also be listened to. Here's how, you know, if we go back to our topic of like um, letting in that love, as mm -hmm. you said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, not just a black, I want to clarify, not just a black woman. So I talked about my population, but some of this applies to everybody, right? Like I know I have other patients who aren't black women who don't want, who don't know how to let people show up for them, right? Sure. So mm -hmm. just to like clarify that piece, um, how do they invite in? I think invite, how, that's the same thing, right? Isn't that what I was kind of saying? <laughs> like, oh, that's right. Inviting yeah. in, yes, mm -hmm. like kind of um, welcoming in that discussion instead of, um, I think I heard you saying, instead of being alone with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, discussions, communication, you know, is the key to any foundation of a relationship, I think. I always say, just kind of talk about it, but you have to be kind of open and clear about what that looks like. Um, so it's checking in with the person that you care about, your friend, right? Like, hey, this is what's not working for me. And I think that there's a piece of, there's um, a reality that sometimes that's not going to be enough. Like maybe sometimes it's not going to work. 
we enter into relationships, all relationships, with an unwritten set of rules, and I call that a contract. It is invisible, but you've signed it, right? Um, I mean, culture itself is something about a series of, not nothing but, but it's a lot of series of unwritten rules and things that we follow, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Relationships have that same foundation. And so often when one person within a relationship is trying to change the contract, renegotiate, but renegotiate the contract, but without actually bringing awareness or acknowledgement to like, okay, I know we both went into this with it this way. I get it. We've been operating this way for a long time. And for some reason, I was thinking that this was going to change. Um, and it didn't change on its own. So now I'm like, can we renegotiate this? And people sometimes can be like, no. And then you just, you know, like, I don't want to change it. This works perfectly for me. I get all this and you get, the, this is perfect. And then you decide if that's a relationship that you want to maintain in that way. Yeah. So that's, that's something I'm also thinking about what you're saying as far as like, we're also asking folks to possibly shift their dynamics of the relationship. Absolutely. And while that's maybe why someone came in like, Hey, I had this rupture in a friendship or there's um, this distance between partners and I, you know, maybe that's why they came in, but then asking them to do X, Y, and Z to look at their fences, to look at their barriers and shift those dynamics can be really taxing, can be really hard because I guess what I'm thinking about now as I hear you sharing is kind of the person on the other end. And I'm thinking, well, that's great if the person on the other end is also showing up and doing their inner work. But if the person on the other end is dismissive and wants to hold on to societal um, teachings or doesn't want to show up with the person in their healing, I'm like, oh, ouch, that might, that might be scary, hard, whatever. But I like what you're saying about, well, then that might not be a relationship where we get our needs met. And that's mm -hmm. so beautiful and powerful. And I love so much, even for myself, just to be able to say, okay, well, if it's not somewhere where I can get my needs met, let's look at that. Let's not brush that under the rug and keep calling that friend and thinking that I'm going to get X, Y, or Z, but I get one, two, three. <laughs> and they, they might feel that inauthenticity from me too, if I don't um, show up saying, no, actually, I, I, I did want X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so I like hearing that mm -hmm. yeah I think that that goes into like it just keeps me going down this like path but I think it it's the reality that just because you were once in a relationship with someone and they may have meant a lot to you doesn't mean they're forever in your life mm -hmm. and I, I you know, sometimes people associate, well, I don't have any, you know, I've known this person for so many years. We've been friends since childhood or we've been friends since college or all these different things, right? Yeah, you have. And you can honor that and still say goodbye if you need to, right? Um, it doesn't taint what you had and the great moments that you had, but it doesn't mean that they're going to be great moments in the future. And we don't know what the future holds. It could also mean, you know, sometimes paths are like this. They are like right. um, crossing and interweaving, right? So maybe this is a time where, you know, this person has growing to do or changing to do that isn't aligned with the 
growth and the changes that you need to do. And so this isn't a time for you two to be in relation with one another. Um, and who knows later down the line, you can reconnect. Um, but part of inviting in and accepting love and not sabotaging your love is being able to show up for yourself. Okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. Identify mm -hmm. what you need. And so that's not, um, that part isn't selfish in a negative way. That part is self-love, that part is self-acceptance, that part is self-growth, um, right? Um, but you got to show up for yourself. You can love others and you can love yourself. I feel like you just you just started our next episode. That was so beautiful, right? <laughs> so bringing all the the letting love in, and then at the the root of it, or the the very bottom of this argument, is the part of loving ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if if there is someone on the other end of this relationship who really does care for us, they'll they'll have room for that, even if it feels like a funny dynamic shift. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Right. It's always going to feel weird. Change is always, change is always feels weird. Always feels different, you know, in the beginning until it becomes the new normal and then you change some more, right? It's just, uh, we're very, very rarely are we just stagnant saying the same. Right. So, I don't know. I hope this gave people some ideas about what could be something, reasons why they're feeling like they're sabotaging themselves or sabotaging their love or not um letting love in and i hope it was helpful yeah yeah a little breaking the couch on on relationships mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we'll mm -hmm. see you next time all right see you next time if you are looking for a therapist for yourself or your child you can visit our websites playfullypsych.com or softheartpsychology.com we appreciate you joining us this week and can't wait till there's another opportunity to jump on the couch with you next week